Welcome, welcome, welcome to the inaugural Better Golf. That is B-E-T-T-O-R, the Better Golf podcast with me. And uh, for the foreseeable future here is Spencer Aguiar. Spencer, you want to introduce yourself, man? I'm really excited to have you a part of the team. Yeah, I'm thrilled to do this with you guys. Uh, You know, I think between the two of us and we're going to have Michael come along here. Uh, next weekend to talk about some golf. And I think we can add something that can really be beneficial for everybody. And I'm ecstatic to do this with you guys. So thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime, man. For those that don't know Spencer, he is one of the the brightest golf minds out there, at least in my opinion. Everything I've seen him do from on Roto Baller and on Twitter, he makes his own model similar to what we do at Win Daily. But um, yeah, it, basically any podcast that I saw in the golf industry, I don't want to knock anybody's work or anything like that. Like anybody that puts time into doing stuff like this, I, I respect them. I'm sure you do as well. But it seems like most golf podcasts that I see are all about, you know, maybe five or six guys. We think they could win. They're about 10 to 20 to 30 to one. Let's take a shot and see what happens. And that's about it. Other, you know, otherwise than some back and forth banter. But golf is just such a vastly growing sport in terms of like the betting industry. And there's just so many different things you could do. There's, you know, matchup betting, top 20, top 30, make the cut, miss the cut, all, you know, all the finishing positions other than just outright. So we want to provide some value and also teach all the listeners about like price shopping, just because you're signed up at FanDuel or DraftKings doesn't mean that they may have the best price. I actually started using um, points bet a lot for golf just because some of their hold margins are lower on a weekly basis. And then they have just such different pricing in comparison to FanDuel. DraftKings the same way. It's like, check all the books, check all the pricing instead of just saying, hey, you know, I like Dustin Johnson this week. I'm going to take him to win at DraftKings. He's five to one there when he may be five and a half or six to one. Just every dollar that you can get back is very important. It's especially if you're trying to be like a, you know, an everyday better or someone that's trying to do this for a little more than just a hobby. What are your thoughts there? No, I agree completely. And and I think that's one of the things that the casual better gets, I don't want to say confused with, but maybe over fixated on the idea that, you know, when you look at different spectrums of the gambling world, like even if you go all the way to lotteries, everybody wants that big ticket win. And when you look at outright bets, that's what everybody's trying to find with it. And I think what you really should be looking for, especially if you're trying to grow your bankroll into something that's not that you can build over time, you need to add in the top 20s, the top 40s, the top 10s, the head to head markets like that's where you build your bankroll. And there's going to be weeks where you can hit an outright winner and that adds, you know, an extra 8, 10, 12, whatever you're betting uh, to try to win. But yeah, it, price shopping value, that's that's the name of this game. And if we can beat that home and try to, you know, help people out and, and grow that in people's minds, that's the whole goal of this. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's get right to it. So thank you for that. And Spencer, uh, again, just ple- very pleased to have you on. I'm pumped. So I know last week you had a Max Homa ticket. I did not. I didn't have any uh, outright winners. I, I We can get into my situation, but I did have a Finau ticket like I do every week. So I got Finau like I usually do. But how was last week for you? Yeah, these last two weeks have been really good for me. Uh, I had Daniel Berger at Pebble Beach two weeks ago at 18 to 1. Nice. Uh, last week I had Max Homa at 66 to 1. And the the overall week was one of the better ones I've had, I would say, in quite some time. Uh, Six two and one on the in tournament stuff. There was I the top ten and twenty markets. I had Taylor Gooch as a top ten and twenty. We just missed out on the top ten there, but got a top yeah. with that. I know you had Wyndham Clark in the top forty market, which I had him in the top ten and twenty market. So 
those were two nice hits. And then I also had Patrick Rogers in the top 20 market. So it was a solid about 15, 16 unit week for me, which is about as good as you can ever hope for. Yeah, man, you got you got a lot bigger balls than I do. They're going Wyndham Clark top 10 and top 20. So maybe that's that's kind of the good yin and yang that we may already have right now is that you're not afraid to take a shot. Like I, I said, uh, I think I had Wyndham Clark ranked 21st in my model. And really, I'll only t- punch a ticket if I feel like there's actually a perceived value or perceived edge on the bookmaker. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to reach for that top 20. So that's why I didn't do it. But man, that's a hell of a ticket for you, especially with the top 10 there. What do you finish at? Was it ninth? Uh, I don't really remember. He might have been even a little bit better than that. But yeah, I mean, one of my general thoughts with it is the less people that are in the tournament, the more aggressive I will usually go with things. So we had a a slightly reduced field last week. So I will start looking more at the top 10s, the top 20s, even the top fives. And I believe I had Wyndham Clark. I might have had him a little higher than you. I don't recall. I want to say he was 15th or 16th in mine. Great. Well, nice work, man. That that's awesome. Um, so maybe that I'll learn something from you then, because I just keep playing these top forties every week. This week, I I don't think I'm actually going to punch any top forty tickets with a field of seventy two. But we'll get into that. I had a couple questions for you, just because I know how successful your model has been. We were together, you know, on Wyndham Clark, Taylor Gooch. I was so heavy on Russ Henley. Just snuck in that top forty. I think he tied thirty ninth at even par. I think is what he finished. And he fell apart. So I, I had him top 20. I had him top 10. So Henley was my big guy last week. In addition to Siwoo Kim, at least Henley Cash, but Siwoo was a big letdown for me. Was there anything I was missing on him? I thought it was a, a really good course setup for him. I, I really like him on the greens. Been in decent form. But what did I miss there with Siwoo Kim? Or is it just, you know, golf's a hard sport. You're never going to be perfect. Siwoo Kim's generally one of those guys where you're going to get the, the robust finishes from him and you're going to get the random miscuts. And I think if you look back at the early stages of his career, you probably had more volatility than you do now. He's becoming a more complete golfer, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just one of those things where if you stick with your model and you trust your model over the course of time, you should be profitable doing what you're doing with it. So I, I was not on Siwoo Kim last week. I, I did not like him, but uh, that was just more of a statistical fit with the way I run my model than anything else. But I mean, you can never really argue against uh, when your model spits out something when you can prove it to be a winner over a duration of time. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's one thing I do pride myself on is really trusting the numbers. And that's the the Wyndham Clark, Gooch and uh, Henley. They were the top three values against the book in the top 40. So those are the ones I hammered. And then, yeah, I was, uh, I, let's just get right into it. We don't need to talk about last week too much. Um, the World Golf Classic and what is that Workday Championship? So a lot of just a weird name for this tournament. Um, it's a concession golf club in Florida. So we do not have any course history there at all. It's a Jack Nicholas course. So in my opinion, that just screams you need to be a good putter. You need to be good around the green and you need to be a good ball striker with approach. And relatively accurate off the tee. And it looks like 7,500 yards, give or take, there this week. That's pretty long. I sure as hell wouldn't want to play there. What are your thoughts on this course and what are you expecting? My initial, it's it's difficult when we don't have stats to base things off of. I mean, one of the things I love to do is I love to go through and try to build my general design of what I believe a course is going to play like. And one of the ways you do that is you take past history, where are your keystrokes gain metrics, where are your key stats going to come from? And yep. we don't know that this week. I mean, we're going to have to play a guessing game, which thankfully the casinos have to play that same guessing game also. To me, one of the things I thought with it 
it looked like a U.S. Open course that you, if you took that out of Florida and you put that into California, you have tall oak trees, you have greenery all over the place. You're going to have to be a good total driver. You're going to have to be good around the greens. You're going to have to have sand safe percentage of some sort. You're going to have to be able to putt. And I agree with you. I mean, it's going to take a complete player to win at a test like this. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Like you said, you nailed it right there on the head when, like, especially I come from a, a big DFS background when I'm really confused and I don't really have a good feel for a week. It's like, you know what? Most people in the field probably have the same struggles that I'm having. And like you said, we have no history and, and data to go off of for this tournament at this course, but neither does Vegas. So we're in the same boat as them. Obviously, they have probably a handful more resources than we do. But, uh, you know, we're, we're math backed guys. We're going to go off of recent form and other Jack Nicholas course makeups. And like you said, it, it does play like a U.S. Open course. I think it's going to be just like that. Like you said, it, it should be right in California, all the trees. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting. So what are your thoughts on the field? We got 72 golfers my favorite thing in the world is no cut tournaments i love you know taking some shots on some very aggressive players guys that can go shoot a 62 and then follow it up with a 71 or a 72 and i'll get into one of those guys here in a little bit but it's a really stacked field we got top players from europe top players from america it's going to be awesome to watch i'm just excited to see four days of golf when uh you know one day of bad golf isn't going to cost you you know everything because if you go low three days you could maybe win this thing with the no cut there you know it, it's funny this may be where we also are different than each other i, I am not a big no cut fan these are generally <laughs> the tournaments that i dislike the most from whether it's a DraftKings perspective or an outright betting perspective of any kind like i will have less exposure here than i probably have at any normal event that you're going to get a cut at so it's Difficult. I agree with you. You're going to find guys that are going to randomly shoot a 62 on Sunday. I mean, maybe not here. This might be a little bit more challenging, but you're going to have guys that come up the leaderboard. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of head-to-head wagers. A lot of the value that I find comes from the cut equity that you get or like the perceived cut equity that you get from somebody. I like to target golfers that I think won't be around for the weekend. And when you take that away from the start, I find it more difficult to try to find uh, matchup wagers for a full tournament perspective with it. So I probably will be underexposed in a lot of senses. My outright card is bigger than it usually is, which uh, I guess we'll get into that at some point. But yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting tournament. I think you made a great point there. You, without saying it, you kind of mentioned that this is a very volatile tournament to bet. Um, and that's something that we should probably stress, too. Just because it's another golf tournament, it's a really big golf tournament, it's the World Golf Championships, that does not mean you should just unload your bankroll right now, especially when there's no cut. There's a lot more volatility out there. So, And, and me, too. Like When I was going through my card, I usually have... You know, this week with a, a little bit smaller field that only 72 golfers, I, I changed my top 40s and cut them down to top 20 and top 30. Usually I have like seven or eight guys that I always find a value on and I could really only find three or four, maybe five, and I'm pushing it with five. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. I, I think this is going to be a, a low bankroll tournament for me. I'm going to still, you know, play somewhat aggressive in my outrights like I always do, but I'm a matchup and a top 20, top 30, top 40 market better. And there's just not a whole lot for me. I think in matchups, we'll get to that section here in a, in a short while, but I only have three matchups. I usually looking at my card last week, I think I had like nine or 10. So. Yeah. I mean, it, this might come <laughs> as a shock after what I just said. I have zero this week. Like as much as I'd like to go in and, you know, for the first show here, say I have 10 matchups that have great value. Like, 
I'm going to attack this from an in-tournament perspective. I'm going to try. There's some guys I'd like to fade. I'd rather fade them day by day rather yep. than uh, over the course of the whole week. No, hell yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I like that. So this is probably a tournament that you should be attacking live if you're listening and, and don't blow your bankroll unless you guys out there have a great read for the tournament, then by all means. But um, let's get right into it. So me personally, I think the main three metrics that I weighted for my model just again it's based off Jack Nicholas and how his other courses play you know you look at Mirfield Village where it's approach and putting and around the green you need to be elite there not as much distance there as there is here but that's kind of like what I mirrored this on for better or for worse just because that's one of his hardest courses in my opinion and I want to make sure that I'm at least being a little bit conservative with my rankings I didn't want anybody to stick out the page like crazy I think DJ last week by far the highest grade I've ever had on a player. And you saw how he fared in it. Um, kind of rambling there, but what, what what are your important metrics for this week? That's kind of my three is approach around the green and putting. And, and those three just in general are so important in golf. I was in a little tick up to off the tee and, and distance for me. Yeah, let me bring it up on my model right now. I'll give you what the top three are. Um, so my number one is total driving. I have that at about 15%. And then I have a bunch of short game stuff. I have around the green sand save. I have a weighted little putting thing that I put together with Bermuda putting and quick greens. That's, uh, I have a little bit of off the tee plus approach also. I mean, I kind of try to weigh this as much as a, a U.S. Open. Like I almost took this as we took last year's U.S. Open and kind of just mixed the match a little bit. Like you're going to have really long par fives here. Uh, these are not going to be easy for players. You're going to have extremely long par threes. And, you know, that there's a lot of yardage that's being eaten up from those two uh, scoring distances. Awesome. No, I, I think that's great. I, I need to probably adjust my model a little bit just after hearing you speak there. So I appreciate it. But yeah, I, it's, I think that's that's probably something I should maybe go back and adjust to just make it a little bit more towards the U.S. Open. Like you said in the beginning, I think that's a great point. But let's start off with the fun part. Who are some of the golfers that you're fading? I'll give you my top three real quick, just based on and fade for me is like I, I'm probably not going to touch them in any market outright or anything like that. And, you know, from a DFS perspective, I probably won't have them as well. Just based on where they're at in Vegas rankings or what their odds are to win. I have Bryson DeChambeau ranked 13th in my model, and he's seventh in terms of Vegas odds to win. Justin Thomas, I really don't know what's going on with him. Obviously, his, his grandpa passed away. Maybe he's just kind of a head case right now. But I always think that he's such an elite golfer. And I think your model, the the random one you drew a mm -hmm. week ago for like who would be the, the best fit for any golf course out there just picked randomly. It's Justin Thomas. And then Webb Simpson was another guy. I do not want, I'm not really a Webb Simpson guy. I really respect his game. I just never like DFS betting. I never see myself ever backing this guy. I never see like the weeks I do think he's going to pop. His price just isn't where I want it to be. So I, I never really push the chips in on Webb Simpson, but your th thoughts on those three and who are some guys that you just want nothing to do with this week? I am probably out on Justin Thomas now also. I, I think uh, between his grandfather, between the Tiger news, he has a lot going on in his life right now. I, I hope for him he gets it together this week. It'd be a great story if he could go out and win the tournament. I, I just think there may be too much in his life right now for him to be able to, to get the result that he's looking for. And his game doesn't look great right now as it is. Uh, I do like Bryson. Bryson is the wild card in this tournament. You know, we look at Bryson and everybody's blacklisting Bryson. We've gone to this thing now where Bryson's unbettable. We want no part of Bryson. 
this is not some atypical performance that like he had last weekend. We have seen this countless times from him. He will win a tournament. He won the rocket mortgage and he will miss the very next cut. He will <laughs> miss and he will go win a tournament. You know, Bryson is on my model. He is ninth, which is lower and technically bad value. When I run this just from a statistical sense, he jumps up to the second player when I remove all the other factors I have into this. So I think he's an interesting person. He may burn you again. I could definitely see him imploding, but there is an opportunity to where his upside is higher than most and his downside is higher than most when we're talking about the top players in the world. And I don't mind attacking that in the outright market. You know, maybe maybe on DraftKings, I'll have less exposure. We'll see where his ownership ends up ending towards the week. But I, I do like Bryson and I kind of like Webb Simpson also. There's a fear that this course might be too long for him. I could see that argument with it and uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that. But, you know, he's a good toll driver of the ball once you remove the aspect of distance. Like if we if this plays even a little shorter than we think it will from a yardage standpoint, just because. There is so much yardage baked into the par threes and into the par fives. And if he's able to kind of maneuver his way through on these par fours, not make his mistakes, he's a he's probably the best Bermuda putter in this field. I, I am interested to see, like, I don't know if he can go out and win this tournament, but at 30 to one, I am interested in potentially diving into him. You definitely caught my, I don't think I can ever get in on board with the web thing. It's just a personal thing for me. So lesson number one, listening to me guys, don't bet with your heart or don't not bet because of your heart. So I won't bet Webb because of my heart. And if he goes, uh, you know, goes off this weekend, there you go. That's just my, uh, my stubbornness getting in the way, but Bryce DeChambeau. All right. You talk me into it. Uh, I, his upside, like you said, it is second to none. His downside certainly is, you know, worth talking about like you just did, but 20 to one on FanDuel. He's 18 to one or 18 and a half to one on DraftKings and 18 to one on points. But so you get significant value to the market. If you take a Bryson win ticket on FanDuel at 20 to one, so I will do that. Just throw a cut. I'm going to add him to my outright ticket right there because I think you said it best. Like you sold me when you said his upside is second to none. And when you reran the model and he uh, comes in second there, like it makes perfect sense. And I just, I kind of trust Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know why it's just the whole science thing that, uh, you know, <laughs> he's kind of like a, a weird scientist or physicist. It's, I don't know. I trust it. I trust how hard of a worker he is too. So, all right. You talked me into that one. Any other outright markets that, that you absolutely love? I know. Um, also want a quick question for you. Like a lot of people are saying that this is a golf course made for guys that fade, fade the ball. So to me, just watching a ton of golf, like I, a guy I love is Sanjay M. I, it broke my heart that he took a little vacation and didn't play the last two weeks, which is really weird for a guy like him. And then John Rahm, like that guy has the prettiest drive. It's just a, a little baby fade every time, a power cut, whatever you want to call it. I love watching John Rahm play. Do you got any interest in Sunjay M or John Rahm? If this is, in fact, a fader's course, looking at the, the course makeup, it looks like it's kind of a mix of, of draw and fade. So I don't really understand why people are making that hard of a stance for it. Or do you know anything about that as well? Like people saying that this is a, a no, Nicholas I mean, course. I, I would I, I would tend to try not to. I mean, we know very little about this course from the designs of it. I would say that it might be a little bit more of a fader's course than anything else. I don't know if I would make a decision based off of that. Yep. But it, maybe this spoils some part of the show. But I think John Rahm's going to win this tournament. I, I, think he is, I think he is due. I think he is playing such better golf than many people in the industry realize. I mean, the results are there. He has 
I want to say since the U.S. Open, eight top 25 results in a row. And if you date back further than that, it's probably even more than that. The guy, the one thing he is missing, he is missing the upside of those massive putting days. And one of the things I do yep. on in tournament model is I love to go through and remove the actual putting performances that a guy has had for the tournament. Keep everything else the same and put in the baseline numbers of where they should be based off of their two-year sample size on baseline putting. And every week I have done this for the past, I would say since the start of the year, every tournament we get to Sunday or Saturday night and John Rahm is like, he should be in first. He should be in second. He should be in first. And he's in, you know, 10th going into the, into the day he's in 15th and it's all, he has been the one guy that has just not quite gotten that hot putting day. And Bermuda wouldn't technically be the surface. I would expect him to get it on probably his least preferred one, but I don't know if you have the California feel to it, he likes tree line courses. He likes all those things. I think he is going to walk out of here. The winner, I think he is due a WGC title or a big title at some point. And I mean, this feels like the perfect spot that he's going to get it. I love it. I love hearing people talk about John Rahm. I think he's going to be just a, I mean, he already is a star, but I think he's going to be one of the top three players every single year for hopefully the next decade. Um, so you're going to take John Rahm. You uh, definitely feel pretty strongly there. I guess the, the best price on John Rahm right now in the market is, um, in, in Illinois at least, is points bet at nine to one. It looks like he's eight and a half everywhere else. So uh, I'm all aboard that. I think that's a, a really solid ticket. There's not a ton of value for, for me there because that's, you know, I, I have him ranked second in my model. You said he's ranked first in yours, correct? Mm-hmm. He and is. He's, he's, uh, he's a little bit of a – Dustin, uh, if we were getting a correct price – I have him at appropriate at 10 to one. I have okay. John Rom appropriate at eight to one. So a little bit of value. If you shop around, uh, I grabbed it at 10 to one. I mean, maybe you can find that if you look around somewhere, but yeah, I mean, I, I still like it at nine. Awesome. Yeah. Well, every dollar counts, but that's, that's right where you got him priced at. So there you go. All right. Um, anybody else, any long shots, any, or obviously this really isn't that, good of a tournament to, to go picking on long shots. It seems like studs always yeah. won the WGC, but is there anybody you're, you're kicking the tires on? Uh, I mean, if I think you have to be careful of going, if we're talking outright betting, I think you have to be careful of going too deep onto this list. Um, I mean, it's probably tough for a play. Like when you get a field like this, there's so many top notch players. And if any of those guys play their a game, the guys that are above hundred to one, aren't going to win this tournament. I mean, you would right. need, such a 1% type of effort from them. So, you know, once you get past, and, and I'm not betting Sergio, this is just an example, but like once you get past Sergio at 80 to one, like you have very little win equity in this field. Like maybe you could make an argument for Kevin Na just because we've seen him win three times since 2019. You know, maybe you could make a, a case for Harris English. The course might also be too long for him. My model does like him this week though. Um, other than that, I mean, no, I... When you start with John Rahm on a card, your exposure is going to be limited in other places. And I am going to be more exposed than usual just because we are dealing with a tournament where I think the cream usually rises to the top. But Rahm is going to be where I start it. I will have a ticket on Bryson and I will probably be adding one other piece. And I mean, for me, that's going to end up being about a unit and a half in my exposure. I usually bet to win between eight to 10 units and you know, the closer those two numbers are to each other, the more frequently you need to hit a winner. So it's going to be a week where I am going to hit, need to hit more frequently than usual. But 
yeah, I mean, it's going to be Rom DeChambeau. And uh, I, I didn't ask you, answer your question earlier, but Max Homa is somebody I will be fading this week. Just if we're nice. looking at uh, head-to-head markets, if we're looking at DraftKings, I, I want nothing to do with him this week. Yeah, he just played so lights out there to to end it on Sunday. And even with that missed three-footer, that's hilarious. So good for him for mentally staying in there. I know that missed puck could probably haunt a lot of golfers out there. But, yeah, I'm not a Max Homa guy either. Webb Simpson, Max Homa, I'm just not fans of. I don't really know what it is about him that I don't like. But it was definitely – I was happy to see Max Homa win, but I would have rather cashed that Fino ticket for once because I seem like my model always picks Fino to win. Yeah, I mean, Finau, if you're just going based off of stats, Finau's more or less a top five golfer in the world. And, you you know, you have that level of choke to him that uh, you have to equate <laughs> to some level with it. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, one of the things I dislike about Max Homa, too, this is a really big moment for him. He just won a tournament. He has never finished inside the top 50 of a WGC or a major championship. This is This is the biggest spot he's had coming in off of a win going to a course that is going to probably play very difficult with all the water and the length that's there. I, I'm going to be trying to fade him wherever I can. That's totally fair. Um, here are the two guys that I really, really like. And just terms of value, again, I don't think – I actually I do think these guys have a shot at winning the tournament. But, again, I, I'd rather bank on you know Dustin Johnson, John Rahm. I, I'm a big Xander Shoffley guy, but it just seems like he just – can't get past the edge to win. Not really a can't lay guy. And then, you know, Fina, Rory. Um, I'm really not a Rory guy, but I do love Fina. But um, guys that I had priced right around the 17 to 1 range, and they're priced right now. Um, Victor Hovland, he's 22 and a half to 1 on DraftKings. I think this dude is just, he's so damn good. His approach, that's something, again, I'm, I'm really weighing hard on this week is uh, the approach game. He is just so elite with his iron, such a good ball striker. I, I guess the only bad part of his game is kind of you know right around the green if you want to call it even bad he's still above average but he's a good potter dude this, this guy is just so lights out right now what does he have six out of the last eight tournaments he's finished top uh, 15 and he's top 10 in three straight tournaments at 22 and a half to one i think hovland could possibly get it done and you know whether it's only a half unit or I won't bet more than a unit on a guy at that price, but I think that's where I'm really interested in is Victor Hovland. Then one other guy from Europe, um, one of my favorite golfers personally is Terrell Hatton. I got him right at the the same price as Hovland at 17 to one is where I put him and points bet right now has him 25 to one. So that's a serious edge for me. Again, it's a volatile market with the outrights, but I absolutely love Tyrell Hatton. I'll, I'll get into a little bit more uh, about it or, Terrell Haddon, whatever, whatever you say, however you pronounce his uh, first name. But, man, his approach game is elite, just like Hovland's. He's a good putter. He's really good around the greens. Four top tens in his last eight starts, and then six out of his last eight in the top 25. So this is an elite player. He's also my pick to win the Masters this year, um, just because I got a future on him at a really, really good price a while back. And I, I love this guy. I think his game is just so complete, and it should set up well for a tournament like this. And, again, it's just – it's more the price discrepancy for me when I have met 17 to one and I'm getting 25 to one, just, you know, eight more, more dollars to my dollar. I'm in on that. Yeah. And I mean, to touch on the point that you just said with it, like if we, think this course is going to play long and we think that a lot of these approach shots are going to be coming from 175 yards or above Hatton is number one in my model from that yep. distance for the last two years. Hovland is sixth in my model, but I mean, there's not really a distance. I mean, I guess if you go really short, if you go from 
125 yards and in, he gets a little bit worse. But yeah, I mean, he's one of the best total drivers of the ball. He's elite in numerous aspects of his game. I think the kid, I think he's another one. Like we're waiting on Rom's big victory. I mean, I know he has a couple wins. A WGC would be the biggest that he's had so far. Hovland's in that same boat where he's an elite player with an elite skill set. And he's the kind of guy that if somebody's going to break through, it's going to be a guy like him. Like we saw Colin Morikawa do that at the PGA Championship. And I mean, you could make an argument that Hovland's a better player than he, than he is. So I think I, he is. I have no problem with either one of those two plays. Awesome. All right. Well, those are pretty much my guys um, for my outright tickets. I didn't really have anybody else just because I didn't find a ton of value on, you know, DJ, Rom, Xander, my top three guys. And they're actually the top three guys right now in the, the winning market, too. So there you go. But one guy I did have a question on before we get into these other markets here is uh, the Rob McIntyre, the Scottish lefty. I know we were talking about him before we got on the air. Um, I saw on DFS he's just so low priced, but this guy seems like a, a great for this course, a great fit for this course as well. And I just see a lot of people on Twitter talking about him. I like, don't sleep on him. He's one of the more interesting prices here. What was his? I'm just on DraftKings right now, so I don't know if this is the best price in the market. But 150 to one. Do you think this guy has any chance of winning, or should we just move on? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think we, I think we reach a danger zone once we get over 100 to one here. Um, I mean, if we're talking about a specific game type that can win, he's big, he's strong. Maybe I would like him better in some sort of a top five, top 10, top 20 market, depending on what those numbers are for him. It's tough. I mean, the the elite win, win these tournaments. And I know that's like, I mean, any show you go on is going to say that exact same sentiment to it. But it really is true. If you If you ignore the match play results, and even still, you're looking at guys like Bubba and Kisner and still elite players in their own right. It's tough to win these tournaments. Like, I don't know if his A game beats John Rahm's B game, for example. So right. um, That's I would probably be more so looking at him in a top five or ten market. And, and we discussed this before the show. I don't necessarily – my model does not like the European players when they come over. The numbers never quite match. Like – if, and, and that's something that I know. And I think that's something that's important. But the more that you, I, I think that the one key thing, if I was to try to uh, explain to people something, the more you can make your research process your own, the better it is because you're trying to create value. And that might be a little bit of a drafting statement more so than anything, because you're competing against other people. But it's important to try to make your process as much of your own as you can, because that's how you can extract as big of an edge as possible. But you have to be aware that there's certain guys that are going to grade lower for one reason or another, and either that you are correct with that uh, assessment of the person, or if you're continuously getting beaten by them, which is what seems to happen with me with the European players, you have to be willing to like almost ignore the fact of like, all right, I'm not going to fade Tommy Fleetwood this week. I'm not going to fade Louis Oosthuizen. and I'm not going to fade these guys that my model might not like, but their their win equity is better than I'm giving them. Their upside is better. Their total performance level is better than I'm doing that. And that would be the one thing I would say to anybody is just, you know, get used to building things, get used to, I mean, there's different sites to do it on. I know you said you guys have a, a, a software thing. I have my model. There's different sites that do different things, but 
the more research you do, the better you get with it. And and that would be my big takeaway from it. 100%, man. I could not agree with you more. And that's something that uh, I was always like, a, you know, still my bread and butter is football. That's my favorite game to bet. That's my favorite DFS sport. I want, I've just I've loved golf as I got older and and really started, you know, I love data and I love math. That's why I love, you know, projecting football so much. And like golf, like if anything, that is much more data, much more math and much more science. Like I, I loved building a model and I've just had to learn to trust it over, you know, as the weeks go on and, and really trust my numbers. And and you just nailed it on the head. That's something that we as as betters and people that are investing in sports betting need to do as well. Um, let's move on to uh, the other market. So my favorite, uh, again, are, is usually a top 40, but with such a small field, I am, uh, I'm limiting myself to the top 20 and top 30 because if you go to the top 40, that's uh, <laughs> pretty much everybody, you know, like you're not going to really get a good price on any of your top golfers in your models or anything like that, or top 20 guy that's, you know, going to be longer odds to, to finish top 40. Everybody's, you know, short odds there, at least in my model. So I'm sure yours is the same, but I'm going to get into my favorite plays right now. Um, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on them, then we'll get yours as well. But top 20, a guy that really stuck out to me, I have him ranked 11th in my model right now. His odds rank uh, to win the tournament is 32nd, so I got a really big discrepancy there. I don't think he has what it takes to win it. Like you said, the the win equity is just very rare, especially when you're going up against uh, – you, you said it best when you said – can you know any players B game beat or A game beat John Rahm's B game? Like I don't know. I don't think many guys out there can. Rahm is just that good. But Will Zalatoris, um, I never play this guy. I never bet on him. He's just popping like crazy for me. He is an elite um, approach game as well. And again, it's Hovland, it's Hatton, it's this guy. Like their games are very similar. He's a good putter. The only question I have about his game is around the green. Like he could, it would not surprise me if he took a couple doubles this week and that really hurts. But the thing I like about him the most, we said it early, is this is a no cut event. This guy can go low. So I think if he has a bad day, there's not many people that have the upside that he has to just, you know, forget it and, and go shoot a 63, a 64 out there and put himself back in the running. So I like. At plus 150 on DraftKings and points, but I think FanDuel had him more in the, the plus 110 or plus one, uh, 120 range. That's where I think he should be is right around even money. But he's my 11th ranked golfer, so I love to get you know $1.50 to my dollar and the top 20 market with Will Zalatoris. Yeah, I, I have him written down on my piece of paper also. Uh, plus 150 on DraftKings. I have him at plus 125 on FanDuel, so if you are shopping around, DraftKings would be your preferred uh, place to go for that. But uh, I have him 16th in my model. I, I would agree that I think you're looking at about a plus 100 type golfer in this. And, you know, 50 points is a lot of value to be getting on somebody that he performed. He came, I believe, sixth at the U.S. Open. We've seen top 20 results at the Genesis, at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open. He's performing on difficult golf courses. And I mean, if this course plays difficult, we've already seen him do it once at the U.S. Open. So, yeah, I am in complete agreement with you there. Awesome. All right. My next guy. Um, I already talked about him. It's Hatton. He's only minus 110 on DraftKings. So here's I don't know if there's a ton of value in that, but I look at that. that that's even money for him to be top 20. I got him ranked seventh overall. But the market has him on points, but he's minus 167 to finish top 20. And then FanDuel has him minus 160. So to me. 
either those two are off or DraftKings is way off at a minus 110. So I hopped all in at the minus 110. But is there value in that? You've been betting golf a lot longer than I have. You you know, you're more successful at it than than I am, I'm sure. But that's just kind of my question to you is to me that stuck out just knowing how how to, you know, scour books for better pricing. That like was like, whoa, OK, my seventh rank golfer, I'm getting even money to finish top 20. Is that solid? I'm, I'm going to say minus one tens even money, but, you know, just about even money. No, I mean, I, your thought process is 100 percent correct. And I mean, when you shop around and you can find the best number that you can and your model is spitting a player out that is, you know, however many points you think he is value on it. I, I would agree 100 percent with that. My numbers are not so aggressive on Hatton this week. I, I actually have them dead even at minus one ten. So, I mean, I have it as break even of a bet as you can have but uh you know he fits that mold of a guy who plays more in europe than you know or at least a, a good portion of his uh tournaments in europe so my model is going to be lower on him so based off of that i mean i i don't have an issue with that i he wouldn't necessarily be i i think he's going to come i guess the best way to put it is i think he's going to come top 20 do i think he wins the tournament Probably not, but you know, he has all the skill sets, like I mentioned previously about him, to where he's going to be good from the long distances. He's a great Bermuda putter. Uh, he has a lot of volatility to him, and that's more so where <laughs> I worry in this top 20 market. And you know, when you have guys that are capable of just imploding on the golf course, you always have to worry a little bit that Hatton goes from seventh place going into Sunday hits a shot in the water and all of a sudden he's 35th in the tournament. That would be my one big concern if we throw that into account. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, Hatton has a good skill set for here. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a hothead too. So if he can, if he hits a couple bad shots or goes in the drink, I could see it all imploding there for sure. But I got him priced at minus 145 um, for the top 20 market. And then, yeah, so minus 110 that really, and then just seeing points bet and FanDuel where their prices were. I was like, all right, something's up here. And then again, Victor Hovland, these two guys that I just love this week. I got Hovland at minus 150. DraftKings has him at minus 110 again. So I, I, this is the confusing part, though, is he's only like minus 130 on FanDuel and points bet. So it seems like they like Hatton a lot more than like Hovland. I like Hovland more than I like Hatton, but not by a ton. But I, I just trust, trust Victor Hovland so much more. He's so, you know, very even keeled, doesn't really ever blow up. Um, but at minus 110, again, I got him priced at minus 150 for the top 20. You like Hovland there, or do you just not? No, I, I agree with what you just said. I like Hovland more than I like Hatton, just from just the blow up potential on Hatton's part with it. Hovland's been a top twenty machine. I mean, we've seen him in the top five the last couple weeks. I, I would one ten seems like a good price on him. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm in on that. Um, you got two more for you. Then I want to hear what you got. Uh, Ryan Palmer. Um, the guy's kind of been on fire this year. Uh, it's been a short year, though, of course, but he's plus 250 on points bet, and I have him ranked 16th. So what was his odds roughly? So I have him right around plus 125, plus 130, and I'm getting plus 250 on points bet. So value-wise, he's just absolutely blowing up my model, but I'm really not a Ryan Palmer guy, so I don't love him there. But he's also plus 130 to go top 30, so pretty much finish top half in this tournament on points bet. So I love the price on Palmer on points bet. I'm just not a big Palmer guy. But again, 250 on points bet. He's plus 150 for that same market on DraftKings. So again, that's just one of the things that really caught my eyes. Like why are who's so different? Which one of them's wrong? 
I'm going to trust my model and DraftKings that say he should be around a plus 150 player for this market. You got any love for Ryan Palmer? He's a four top 20s in his last seven. So the guy could do it, but he really hasn't done it in, in this type of field. So that's my only concern is this is just loaded with talent and he hasn't really done that. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that completely. That is that is quite some value on that. I, I have him in the top 20 as being proper at plus 125 about. So, I mean, that's a huge Ooh. value. Uh, well, you cool. know, he's somebody that I do worry a little bit about his sand game. We have seen him multiple times get caught in a bunker and not be able to get himself out. But, I mean, we're just looking from a pure value standpoint. That's a, a great price on him. Let's go. That's one of my favorites. And is and that's when I know I like it is because I personally don't like the golfer. But again, like we said earlier, trust the numbers, trust your model, and you know, just just roll with the gut there. I, I think it's just a bad price on points, but at plus two fifty. Uh last guy for me, yeah, and Palmer, I think what stood out for me is he's just an elite putter and is a one of the best in the field, in my opinion. I love watching this guy putt. He it's like he's kind of like Jordan Spieth when Jordan Spieth is on. When he misses a putt, it's like a burnt edge, and it's never a three putt, never anything that's gonna blow up. It's the sand is really the only issue is around the green stuff, but the approach game's there. So I think he's, you know, solid off the tee, nothing special. But again, just a pricing error there. Um, and another golfer I cannot stand. I don't know why. He seems like a, a guy I'd love to have a beer with, maybe, you know, a couple beers is Mark Leishman. I think this, <laughs> hey, that guy definitely has has to like to party. It's just looking at him, he seems like a good dude. But plus 125 to finish top 30. I didn't, I had kind of had him ranked right around there. But I, if I just take the recent form aspect of my model, he's finishing, like, showing up as, like, 22nd, 23rd in my model. Overall, he's right around 31, 32. But if I'm just looking at form, he got the biggest jump when I moved it to just form only. So do you like anything for Leishman or just you being, again, more experienced than I am in this uh, this industry here for golf? But, what like, should I factor in? recent form a lot more than I currently am, or I don't really think it's a 50-50 split for me. It's more like a 60-40 of just my overall metrics and then recent form. But, you know, just kind of want to pick your brain there. And, and is that a good price of a plus 125 on DraftKings from Mark Leishman? You know, that's an interesting uh, topic to discuss about adding in more recent form when when looking at this. So if we go back to Max Homa last week at the Genesis, When I ran my model the first time through, he was 30th overall. When I went through and I added in his more recent stuff, he jumped to the eighth overall golfer that I had. So, you know, I I don't think that necessarily doing that with every single golfer would be the way to go. But I think when there's certain players, I think Leishman's a good example. I think uh, Spieth is a great example of that. A guy like Kepka. Some of these guys have such bad form for so long that if you're running a model through any duration of time, you're starting to run into these problems where your model is undervaluing what they've been doing recently. Uh, I have not gone through and corrected Leishman's numbers. Uh, From where I have them, I have them 41st on my model. I would have them a little bit higher than, uh, he would probably need to be a little bit higher in my books to be a value there. But yeah, I mean, if your model's spitting it out for more recent terms of uh, what he's doing, like, it's it's a logical process to go through to get to that answer. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, it's it definitely like before the last couple of weeks. Um, well, I guess after Scottsdale, my model did not like Spieth at all. And that's when I really wanted to try. I adjusted as like I need to factor in recent form more because if that guy gets it going, 
you know, there, there was no one better than him on tour a couple of years ago when he was just lights out and, you know, so young. It just, it was so much fun to watch him play besides his pace of play, but that's a complaint for another day. So I don't know. I think I'm going to trust that Leishman top 30 ticket just a little bit, but that'll be like probably my smallest play. But what are your edges in the field there in these top 20, top 30, top 10? Anything that's really sticking off the page for you? Uh, I'm not going to go anywhere into the top 10 market. I mean, I think the top of the leaderboard is more or less correct with where I have it. Um, I'm with you on Zalatoris. That is one play I will be on. Um. One of the plays I do like in the top 40 market, and this is a price that you can find on FanDuel, would be Brendan Todd minus 110 to come in the top 40. That price on DraftKings is minus 162. So you have a 52-point difference there. I have it closer. I I mean, I don't think the 162 is value. It's like if DraftKings is the only book that you have access to, I wouldn't be running to the counter to bet it there. I think it's about a minus 135, minus 140 type of play. And I have never recommended Brendan Todd before. He is not somebody <laughs> I have ever been on for DraftKings. I've never been on him for an outright bet. I usually fade him every single week. There is a lot I like about him here. If we believe that he can hit fairways and the distance won't kill him. And I think the I think if you look at this field, you have 72 players. You know, I, I want to be careful with eliminating players from the field. But there has to be, I would say, probably... I mean, looking at this, you probably have at least 15 guys that are going to be the bottom of the leaderboard more or less every single time. You're probably looking at a 55, 57-person type tournament here. And if I think Todd cannot make mistakes, which, I mean, he avoids bogeys all the time. If I think he can putt on Bermuda, if I think he can hit fairways and just avoid the big number, that is that is my best value I, I have on the board. Most of these have very uh, minimal edges for me this week. but. That is my favorite play on the board. I'm writing it down as we speak, and I will punch that ticket to ride with you as well. Uh, I, I did like your point that you're like you're not forcing anything. It's if if you got an edge, you're going to take it. If not, you're going to you know sit and again attack that live market that you were talking about earlier. That's kind of your your mo for this weekend. Anything else on on the top market there or uh, uh, the top the finishing, other, or finishing position? The other players I'll just throw out there. Um, won't get into a huge discussion. I mean, I think the edges are very minute with all of these. Uh, Harris English plus 138 to come top 20. Uh, that is a number that is, uh want to say on FanDuel, it's minus something. I think it's 40 or 50 points off from that. I will try to find that. But yeah, go on. I'll try to get that. As uh, that that's a guy that I have. I mean, I have him. Uh, he should be in the minus territory there. So if you can get a plus number on him, I really like that. The other two guys that I have very small leans towards, and I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Dan- Daniel Berger than the second one. Uh, I like Daniel Berger minus 120 on DraftKings. He's minus 135 on FanDuel. I just think he's a guy at this point. He's a top 10 player in the world. You know, mm-hmm. for all the reasons I'm going to fade Homa because he's won a tournament and he's probably not going to come in correctly. Berger has proven, I mean, this is the this is the guy he is. He's been this for the last, at least since the restart. And even before that. So Berger is somebody that I think has a little value in. Uh, I know I talked about him earlier, but Webb Simpson at minus 110. I I just think he's a guy that on Bermuda will find a way. As I said earlier, I worry a little bit that the course maybe gets a little too long on him, but that's a number that's minus 135 on FanDuel. And that's, you know, my actual math on this has this closer to minus 150. 
I, I, the concerns probably would have me saying minus one thirty five is a closer price, but uh, minus one ten is a is a big edge to have there. So that would be where I'm at at the uh, top twenty. I mean, I guess the only other one would be Colin Morikawa if we believe that he's not going to lose eight shots putting. I'm not oh, so sure I'm going to go down that road. Um, you know, I'm out for him on an outright bet. Like, there's no way on Sunday he can win a tournament when he's losing eight shots the week before. Like, something is wrong. That's not going to turn around in one week. But if I'm just looking at that from a value standpoint, he's another guy that's more break-even for me. I'll see if I get to the window there. I, I don't like uh, touching guys that are uh, going to be, you know, they have some sort of a change in their game that is going on. Yeah, that claw grip. He went to the claw grip. I personally use the claw grip, but I am not a PGA Tour putter. I'm not playing on PGA Tour concrete Florida greens like we're probably going to see this weekend at a Nicholas course. But yeah, um, I'd be all over Morikawa with you. I just, yeah, I'm scared for the putting. I think maybe it's like if if he's doing good, like we're not going to get any value live there either. So I don't know. But DraftKings does have him like plus 138, plus 140 to finish top 20. Maybe I'll do a little bit there, but putting, it's it was just so bad last week. Um, yeah, anybody mean, I, else? Oh, no, that would that would uh, uh, probably be it. I mean, the only other thing I did want to point out, and this is not a wager that I'm on or I'm recommending. If you're looking at this, and, and I know we talked about John Rahm, and I meant to mention this uh, earlier. There's a lot of markets where Rom is minus 110 against DJ. And I think that goes to show that the industry is a lot higher on Rom than uh, most people are. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not fading Dustin Johnson. I'd rather just go back Rom at, at, you know, 10 to 1 price. But so just a little nugget to throw out there that, you know, Rom, they have at the same exact level at D, of DJ this week. And I think that's uh, something interesting to look at when you're trying to piece together DraftKings or outright bets or anything like that. That was going to be my question. So let's move on to matchups and then we'll get out of here. So for matchups, like if you go on FanDuel, it's like the, every top one right there on the front of the screen is all just these absolute studs. Like you said, Rom against Dustin and Rory against Justin Thomas, uh, Neiman and Morikawa. You know, they're, maybe you could say that Morikawa's game is not where Neiman's is, but they're both not that good at putting. So I don't really want to mess with it. It's like those guys, do you personally ever think that there's an edge there? Like right now when you're seeing DJ and John Rahm minus 110, minus 110, is there value in John Rahm or is it just – like for me, I have Dustin slightly ahead of John Rahm. You got John Rahm slightly ahead of Dustin. So for like to me, just now as if I were a listener, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm staying away from those those gimmicky type matchups. Like that's I personally have always stayed away from these big name against big name. But like just from your experience and everything, what would your advice be to the listeners there on just like right when you pull up a sports book, you know, sports book is becoming legal across more and more states each day or each month, whatever, each year, whatever, whatever you want to say. My Right when you go to matchups, it's all these studs against other studs. Is there any value there? Are they just trying to get you to flip a coin, or, or what are we doing there? I personally just look for ones that I know my model has a value on, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with that. I, I like, like I said, I'm always trying to find the guy that's going to miss a cut when there's a cut tournament, and it's never going to come from these ranges. Like, Every once in a while, if you are just completely opposed to, you know, maybe a golfer like Matthew Wolf, that's somebody that my model just does not like. Maybe a guy like that I'd be more willing to oppose. But I'm generally looking at, I mean, take these guys that are like as 50-50 in your mind to make the cut as possible. And I'm trying to find the guy, where is my biggest edge of somebody that I think is overrated for the tournament? 
who are they matched up against? Not, not every single time does that coincide with each other. And that's something important to remember. You can't force a wager, even if you want to fade a guy, if his opponent is not the right person, but I'm trying to find the bottom of the board. I'm trying to find guys that I believe are going to miss the cut. And I'm trying to find guys that I can get a ticket to the window before the weekend. So I'm very rarely betting the top of the board uh, in head-to-head matchups. Um, There will be spots. If I can get a plus number, sure. If it's somebody that I'm wanting to fade to begin with, that's fine. But uh, I'm not ever forcing wagers up in that territory. Yep. I think that's a great point. It's just something that I struggled with right when I really started um, taking golf betting seriously outside of just outrights. I'd always throw around and light money on fire in my previous life with. But now that I'm actually taking a – mathematical approached angle here that's like right when i see it, it's like man i have to scroll down so long before i actually start to find an edge so i just wanted to get your take there but some matchups i like there's only three like i said i usually get seven or eight on a on a normal weekend but i like louis oosthuizen or oosthuizen on fanduel all these are fanduel i love their matchups there i think it's the the lower hold usually i don't know if it is this week i actually didn't even look at that but probably should but for for the sake of conversation louis at minus 108 over Adam Scott at minus 118. You got any thoughts there? I got Louis slightly ahead of Adam Scott on the rankings here. Um, what is he? He is 10 spots ahead. So to me, that's kind of like my threshold. There is, I think, eight spots, and then I'll consider it, assuming the price is there, but there's a better price on Louis, and I have him graded a lot higher. Yeah, I, I probably have it reversed. I have Adam Scott a few spots ahead, but as I said, I mean – Guys like Ustazen are just never popping for me in my model. So I, I would be cautiously, you know, optimistic for your stance there that uh, I'm probably lower on him than I should be. Okay. What about, uh, I think you're going to agree, you're going to agree with me on this one. Zell Torres, even money plus 100 over Scotty Scheffler, who's minus 130 in that matchup. I think Zell Torres takes him to the cleaners, but I don't know. I My model just never likes Scotty Scheffler, and I don't know why, because he's, he's a stud, but it seems like Weeks does like him. He completely shits at that, like, what was it, the farmer's insurance he was awful at. Um, so I don't know. But I'm just so high on Will this week, I'm going to take that at even money. Yeah, I have uh, I have Zalatoris as a slight favorite there also. Nice. Uh, Fleur, I mean, I have him 46th on Bermuda Greens in this field. I'm 57th on Quick Greens. I have him 53rd in my little weighted putting and scrambling thing. I guess, you know, his total driving would be the stat that might help. But, you know, surprisingly, his long irons have not been good uh, in my model, at least over the last two years, the way that I run it. Like, I always think of him as somebody that has such a great iron game from all distances, but they seem to come from a shorter distance. So I could see him running into problems here at at a venue that plays a little longer and uh, yeah, I mean, Zalatoris is, uh, I can give you the exact price that I have between the two. If you give me one second. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's close. I mean, but like I have Zalatoris at about minus 108, uh, minus 110 if you want to push it a little bit. That The only thing saving Scotty for me is just that total driving stat that I have. I have him second in this field base off of that. And that's with a little bit more emphasis on distance than anything else. But I also think that, you know, Zalatoris is just proving to be a much more steady uh, performer. And I think it's an interesting thing when you're looking at these types of tournaments, we're not going to have a cut with it. And if Scheffler decides to go out on day one and shoot an 80 at this course, 
I mean, he could just take himself out of this from the start. So I think that there is a level of uh, erraticness that you have to take into account with it. And and oh, you have any, to wait. Anything with Will. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last one. Um, I greatly appreciate your insight there. I was about to hammer Will even more, but you know what? It is. I do like it. Is. I do like it. I mean, like if we're looking from a, a pure value standpoint, if you're under the mindset of like, I'm going to bet every single uh, edge that I have on the board, that would fit the criteria of it. It's just, it's just a small edge for me. I, I'm not as low on Shuffler as you are. And I, I guess uh, I'm a little lower on Zalatoris. I think you said he was 12th on yours. 11th. 11th on yours. Yeah. Scotty's he, uh, 14th though. So that's the thing. Like I'm not that low on Scotty. Like they're very close. He doesn't fit my, my eight gap. If you want to call that my betting rule. So yeah, Scott, Scotty's right behind him. It's just when I saw a 30 cent different in their price, I'm going to bet Will on that one. No. And I, and I think you're on the right side with it. Uh, I, that I think Zalator should be the favorite. I have Zalator 16th. I have Scheffler 21st. I could, you know, if I take away a little bit of Scheffler, I'm sure I could push him down closer to 25th too, just by manipulating a number or two. Great. All right. Well, I like to hear that. Uh, last one for me, again, I, I wanted to find, you know, seven or eight. I just couldn't do it. This one was a, a stretch, but I do have a big gap in Sergio Garcia. You mentioned him earlier as like the last possible guy of win equity there on the win tickets, but Sergio's plus 110 to beat Jason Day. Jason Day's price is minus 142. I personally think Jason Day is a much better golfer. Um, neither of them could putt right now, but Sergio is one of the best approach guys in the in the PGA Tour, European Tour, anything in ball striking and just off the tee. Like he is elite. I think Jason Day could get in some trouble on this course, and if he's not putting, which he used to do when he was winning, especially when what he won the U.S. Open when it was in uh, Wisconsin there in Kohler, um, absolute crazy course and, and very tough to play there. I think it was the U.S. Open, wasn't it? Uh, that's when he was just uh, the uh, PGA Championship. That's what it was, PGA Championship, and he was putting back then. So when I looked at his metrics now, it's just he can't putt, but really neither can Sergio. So I thought this should be more of a uh, you know minus one twelve minus one twelve on Fanduel there of uh, you know twenty four cent line, but Sergio at plus one ten, and I have him significantly higher than Jason Day, seventeen spots ahead. Am I missing anything there? Are my you know again is my model way off? It seems like it's favoring a lot of European guys. No, I, <laughs> everybody I'm talking about is Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean I guess we're opposite there on a lot of things, but no, I, I agree with you on that. I have Sergio twenty second on my model. I'm a little bit higher on Jason Day at twenty eighth, but you're a hundred percent right with. Day's putting is not what it once used to be. And I think that's even something that my model doesn't necessarily pick up. Like, I think it's getting some of the more recent stuff and he's getting some effect to it. But I'm sure if I got rid of the, the stuff from closer to two years ago, you would see those numbers just continually get worse and worse. And as you stated, Sergio is not a good putter, but he's one of the best total drivers. He's one of the best guys from, you know, an iron from over 175 yards. I think Day could find himself in the trouble, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I have it just about where you have it, minus 110, minus 112, right in that range for Sergio. So, I mean, that's those are substantial differences when you can flip the market of who's the favorite. That's one I'm going to probably put a, a decent amount on. Maybe, you know, and again, decent amount. Like, I think we, we want to stress this bankroll management more than anything, not forcing bets. And, you know, so, so to me, this is maybe a two, two and a half, three unit play at most. But last question for you, Brooks Kepka. Is there anything about Brooks that you like? It seems like he's a, he's a big dog to Bryson plus plus one twenty six in that matchup against Bryson's minus minus one sixty four. 
And then he's a slight underdog to Patrick Reed. I got Brooks higher than both of them, barely over Bryson, and he fits right on eight spots over Patrick Reed. Like you said, from the gate, I thought you'd love this ticket when you were talking about U.S. Opens, because and he's just been in such good form. So it seems like this is an event that Brooks would want to win. But is there anything I'm missing there? I haven't punched those tickets. I just want to get your thoughts because, you know, Bryson scares the hell out of me. I don't want to bet against him. But against Patrick Reed, I mean, I don't know. He's he's great around the green and one of the best putters on tour as well. So it's like I didn't see much of an edge. My heart's telling me to push the Brooks button here. Kepka's a tough one for me. He, he's, you know, statistically, and, and there's just certain guys like that that statistically don't pop up the way that they perform. And and I think Kepka's a really prime example of that. He's a big game hunter. He goes and he wins all. He has four major championships. He can win the WGC. He wins at difficult golf courses. He loves Bermuda greens. He likes fast surfaces. There's a lot to like from him. My only concern is, is if you remove his win at the waste management, where he gained uh, a little over six shots with his approach game, he is losing almost a shot uh, per event with his irons. Doesn't mean it will continue here. He might step up for this. I don't have much of a feel one way or another with him. He's probably somebody that I am just going to sit back. If he wins the tournament, you know, that's what you live with with Brooks. He can randomly go win a tournament. Uh, I had Xander at the Waste Management. Brooks caught him at the <laughs> oh, Me too. Yeah, and it's, those are the kind of things you get with Brooks's game. I, I'm not opposing him necessarily. I'm not uh, going to be on him necessarily. I, I'd like to see a little bit more before I, I write in – to believe that like he's 100% back, but he'll probably just be just somebody who's there for me this week. Awesome. All right. Well, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time, man. I think the content was awesome. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And again, this is the better B E T T O R golf podcast. We'll be doing this, you know, virtually I'm, I'm sure every week, assuming that there's a good golf tournament to talk about, but Spencer, where can everybody find you on Twitter, man? You can find me on Twitter at Tiaw Sports. I pretty much cover a tournament from any way you can think of. I have outrights, head-to-heads, one-and-dones, DraftKings, you name it. And, uh, I'm, you know, send me a message if you ever have a question. I always like talking to everybody. So you can find me there. Awesome. And uh, you're with Rotoballer, right? That's where people can find your, your model numbers. So if you guys want to check out Rotoballer um, or Spencer, you go ahead. You put a plug for it, man. I think people should see your work. Yeah, so um, you can find me. Uh, all my articles are at Rotoballer right now. Uh, you can. One of the things we've been talking about with these models, uh, you can make a copy of my model. You can put your own weights in. You can go and do the process however you like. And that's one of the favorite things about my model that I have is it allows the user to make the, form their own opinions. Like I, I love teaching. I love telling people what I believe is going to be the case, but you know, make your own model, do your own things and try to figure out where you think the edges are. Because I mean, for as much as I love to say that I'm correct hundred percent of the times I'm not, nobody is. So, you know, put your own opinion on something, go through and do it. And uh, you can find it there. And and I usually tweet the link out to that on Twitter also. So give Spencer a follow at Tiaf sports, and then you could find me at sticks picks S T I X P I C K S. And also give the, uh, give the podcast Twitter a follow. I just made one today. It is at better golf pod. That is B-E-T-T-O-R, golf, P-O-D, at Better Golf Pod. And thank you guys so much. And uh, I'll start putting in some some swag orders and stuff like that. So we'll do some random giveaways as we do the podcast and whatnot. But thank you again, Spencer. I greatly appreciate it, man. And good luck this week.
Thank you, you too. Thank you so much for having me on this. And I look forward to moving forward with this. Have a good week, guys.